Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for tonight's Fee Brown Bag. I'm your host, Tom Green, and we're going to be talking about NSX and CNA. Uh, that's a an awesome topic with a lot to talk about, so we're going to jump in. But first, we have some housekeeping. Uh, we like to keep this interactive. We like to talk a lot. So if you can use Twitter and hash, use hashtag VBrownBag, we'll get your questions asked on the live show. And we also monitor that sort of recording. So if there's any questions afterwards, we'll still monitor that and we'll get uh, someone to, to reach out and help you. We have many different regional shows. So while this is the U.S. show, it's not the only show. If you go to vbrownbag.com slash brownbags, you can see the, the schedule and sign up. So uh, I'm, as I said, I'm Tom Green, and we're joined tonight by co-host Lewis. Lewis, will you introduce yourself? Good evening. My name is Lewis Ayuso. I am a systems engineer as well for VMware. All right. Great. Thanks, Lewis, and glad to have you. And finally, uh, Niren, you're the man of the hour. Please introduce yourself, and I'll get control over to you. Thanks, Tom. Um, hey, guys. Uh, Niran Evanchen here. Um, I am also system engineer at VMware. Um, let me just uh, show my screen. Can you guys see my screen here? Good? Yep, looks great. So, uh, yeah, my name is Niran Vinchen, uh, a system engineer. Uh, what I do is I focus right now on uh, NSX, specifically NSXT, and integration with cloud native applications, uh, CNA, that uh, someone asked me today. Um, so, cloud native applications. Um, and, you know, I'm, I meet with lots of customers uh, implementing NSX or actually working with them on, on the requirements for NSX with. Uh, uh, integration with Kubernetes or Pivotal Cloud Foundry, uh, which is called today PAS. Um, and what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go through like just maybe very small amount of slides uh, and dive right into the demos because I think the best way to explain kind of the benefits of the integration and the product is through, um, well, click through showing you exactly what's going on. Uh, my session called uh, CNA and NSX, like peanut butter and jelly, uh, not for nothing. Uh, I believe this is the best networking and security solution today uh, for cloud native application platforms. Uh, and you'll see throughout my session why. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to, uh, as Tom said, uh, uh, and Tom uh, will break in and will ask me the questions. So, um, uh, just a few words about VMware uh, and Pivotal and our solution in the market uh, for cloud native applications, our sol joint solutions. Um, so what you see is what, uh, well, this is a term that's not being used anymore too, too much, but what we call uh, developer-ready infrastructure, uh, where on the green box in the bottom, what you see is uh, VMware, uh, is the where VMware lives mostly, which is uh, where the, uh, platform operator lives. The platform operator is kind of a new role we see with, within many of our enterprise customers where uh, this is not IT, uh, not your traditional vSphere guy or anything like that. Uh, these guys are usually responsible to provide the logical platforms like uh, Kubernetes or PCF uh, to the developers. So they work with IT, uh, but they really 
are responsible to provide the abilities for the developer to have the seamless, the most seamless uh, uh, experience when they develop their applications. And as I said, the green box is kind of where VMware lives and, 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 and breathes. You can see we have vSphere, obviously, NSX is going to talk about. We got vSAN. Uh, on the right side, you can see we got a plethora of operational tools that VMware provides for our customers that, that you know, answer on different requirements of, of, of the stack. I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, and on the top, you see in the blue box, that's where the developer uh, 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 lives basically, and the developers they don't care about infrastructure. All they want is this seamless as much as possible experience when they're working with their developing their applications, and the underlying infrastructure should accommodate. Um, just like the carburetor in the car, you don't see it, you don't touch it, but it does its job. That's kind of a, the analogy I, I usually provide for the uh, infrastructure in the bottom. And that the developer interaction is a lot of what Pivotal is very experienced with. And if you can see kind of where those two uh, boxes meet is the solutions that we currently have in the market uh, is Pivotal Cloud Foundry, or what it's called today, PAS. PCF kind of uh, uh, was elevated into uh, uh, umbrella marketing term uh, for PAS and PKS, which is uh, Pivotal Container Service, which is Kubernetes as a service. And the demos I'm going to do today uh, will show the integration with both. I'm also going to show you guys kind of um, the, 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 the robustness of the API of NSX, how easily and how good it is on automation. Um, so there's different levels of abstractions when it comes to cloud native applications that our customers, you know, looking for. Uh, on the left, what you can see is some customers that are looking only to run, you know, containers. Where containers would talk about cloud, cloud native applications, um, they're kind of the, the became synonymous with cloud native, right? Because that's kind of a very good vehicle to use when you want to do continuous integration, continuous development. And some customers are looking for just running containers on container runtime. Um, in the middle, those are more sophisticated customers that are looking to orchestrate multiple containers uh, more in scale. Uh, they're looking to schedule those containers and to have some primitives to, do, to, to have some routing logs and metrics for that. Um, and on the right side, those are kind of the customers that are looking to have as less uh, interaction with the infrastructure underneath as possible so that the solution does everything for them. So whether it's to build the images, the container images, provide a lot of services around the containers and the, the, and the, and the management of them. Um, and when we look at complexity versus control, uh, it's kind of a one-to-one -one mapping on that where the more developer control on the underlying stack, meaning the developer needs to do stuff to make things work on this app, uh, the less complexity on the underlying infrastructure, right? So with the single container runtime, obviously a developer would need to do a lot to get the application up and running besides just deploying the containers, meaning provide some access and so on, uh, you know, routing access, uh, and, and, and cetera, et cetera. Uh, where the more you go into less developer control, meaning a more uh, solution that does everything for you, there's more complexity on the underlying infrastructure. Right, 
And if we take that and we lay over kind of the VMware Pivotal uh, uh, solutions on that, then VEC, VSphere Integrated Container, fits in the container instance where it provides kind of a container host solution. Uh, in the middle, we got Pivotal Container Service, which is basically uh, uh, Kubernetes. Kubernetes is a service, and there has a lot more to that, obviously, with Bosch and so on, but uh, it provides Kubernetes services. Uh, and on the right side, where we're looking for a solution that does, you know, everything for the developer, and developer only, only need to just deploy code, uh, that's where you're going to see PCF or PIS uh, on the right side. I hope uh, people don't want to get upset. I probably need to fix this slide with the market, right marketing terms. And you know, uh, the, there's uh, there's a, a place for each one of them, and there's a place for having uh, even both. Uh, where when we talk about PAS or PCF, uh, customized applications that our customers uh, want to develop on their own, um, they go really well on PAS on PCF, right? Um, if a customer develops his own applications, uh, especially if it's 12-factor, what we call cloud-native, uh, they live very well, in P very well, well in PCF. On the other hand, uh, where it comes to uh, deploying off-the-shelf, Dockerized data services and so on, uh, Kubernetes is the place to go. Uh, so there's there's a good solution to do with joining both of them, where you deploy customized applications on their left side and data services on the Kubernetes side, and you broker those services uh, using uh, a broker uh, between them. That's kind of an overview. Uh, that I, Obviously, I have a, a much longer talk about this subject, but this is just to show, uh, before I go into demos, kind of uh, what it is that uh, those solutions provide. So I'm going to go into the demos. And within those demos, uh, I'm going to focus on four main uh, benefits, big benefits that NSXT provides uh, today that I, I'm, I'm pretty sure are unmatched in the market. Uh, the first thing is heterogeneity. NSXT su supports many different varied workloads, type of workloads, whether it's PAS, Kubernetes, uh, if it's PKS from VMware and Pivotal, or if it's uh, uh, do-it-yourself Kubernetes or OpenShift, they're all supported on NSXT. Also, virtual machines uh, coming soon. Bare metal cloud, as you guys know, is also going to be supported. Uh, vSphere, KVM, all of that is supported in a single unified solution. And why is that important? Because there's never, uh, when we talk about you know complex applications, there's never uh, just something that's only de deployed on, let's say, Kubernetes, or only deployed on PAS, or only deployed on VMs. Uh, if I deploy uh, uh, or develop applications on Kubernetes, they may need to access uh, services on virtual machines. Or if I deploy applications and develop them on Pivotal Cloud Foundry, I may have, as you saw on the previous slide, data services running on Kubernetes, or on virtual machines, or bare metal. So having the ability to have a, a, a one solution that is very well integrated with all these type of workloads and is able to provide a seamless experience for the developers by providing networking security for them and the operational tools, um, it's pretty powerful and unmatched from the variety of, uh, of workloads supported on NSXT. Um, the second point that I'm going to uh, focus on is um, what uh, a good uh, a good uh, engineer or TPM at VMware taught me um, this this term called relatability, if Fouser, if you guys know. 
Um, and what, what he calls relatability, and uh, I kind of adopted this term, is our ability on NSXT to be able to provide to the DevOps or, or, or the security team uh, the ability to see traffic coming from specific logical constructs on the platforms, whether it's Kubernetes or PAS, for example, um, and to filter based on that. And I'll show that through the demo. It may not, it may not be fully uh, uh, make sense right now uh, for anyone that didn't see that before, but consider that you may want to deploy applications on a specific logical tenant or a specific service uh, within Kubernetes, and on the physical network, you can see what's going on, you can see exactly where traffic is coming from, and you don't need to really segment your network to be able to isolate or, or, or pinpoint traffic to specific uh, applications. Uh, this is very powerful for operations, and you'll see that through my demos. The third point is visibility. Um, I mean, the operational tools that NSX provides and, and all the stuff that we provide as VMware, as you saw that on the first slide, uh, for example, VRealize login site or the internal tools that, uh, that NSXT provides uh, are very powerful and uh, they're top of the line at the level that our enterprise customers demand. Um, and it's, uh, to be honest, when you work with Kubernetes or you work with PAS and so on, um, they're pretty lacking on that. Uh, it's very hard to be able to monitor uh, uh, and to troubleshoot from the operator view on what's going on because the containers that have been deployed, uh, sometimes depending on the solution you're working with, if it's not NSX, you may not have an IP on the container. And even if you do, um, it, they're thermal. They're coming up, they're coming down, they've been killed, you know, they've been treated like cattle. And NSX provides a lot of information and capabilities for operational, operationalizing this on the networking security and the uh, DevOps side. So uh, you're gonna see that as well. And the last thing that I'm gonna start with my first demo uh, is the programmability of NSXT. Um, you know, uh, it was, it used to be like three or four years ago, uh, kind of a joke about uh, that we have multiple APIs on multiple products. And VMware really made huge strides towards having robust APIs throughout, throughout our solution portfolio. NSXT is one of, one of the most, the best solutions to be uh, with the robust API VMware, and I'm gonna show you how I can fully automate NSXT end-to-end uh, -end from nothing to everything uh, with, with a single click uh, because the API is so good. All right, um, finished with the slide, uh, let's go into demos. So uh, before I go into kind of NSX demo, what I wanna do, as I said, I wanna show you throughout the session uh, how NSX is so good about API and programmability. So what you see in front of you, and this is open out in the internet, you can reach that, that's a pipeline. Uh, if, if, you, if you don't know what a pipeline is, a pipeline is uh, used in, in CI, continuous integration and continuous development. Uh, um, basically is a set of actions that you don't deviate from, uh, hence the pipe, uh, and it's been used to deploy, either deploy applications or to manage the stack, and this tool specifically, Concourse, it's an open source tool that uh, is used by many of Pivotal customers today. It's a very powerful tool. Um, I mean, I'm, I can spend, again, uh, an hour or two on it, but I'm not gonna. Uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna kick off this pipeline, and this pipeline basically goes and 
deploys all the OVAs all that NSXT requires. It deploys a manager, three controllers, the two edges, uh, and it ties all of them together. If you ever seen the installation of NSX, there's quite a bit of steps that need to be done. Uh, it also goes and then creates all the logical constructs that are required, whether you're deploying PKS on top of it, or Kubernetes, or PCF, or you can, you can set it up as you want, and then we'll go and configure other things like load balancers and SNAP rules, all of that in a single pipeline. So I'm gonna kick it off here, and by the end of the session, um, this I will show you a fully deployed NSXT that I never touched the GUI to deploy. Um, there's nothing right now running on the vSphere side. All right, so to my demos. What I'm gonna do is uh, I'm gonna demonstrate integration of NSXT with Kubernetes uh, through PKS. So the Kubernetes cluster is deployed through PKS. Um, and I'm gonna show then the integration with PAS. And I'm gonna go through this demo uh, in two windows. So I'm gonna jump back and forth. I'm gonna go uh, with Putty uh, to do uh, cubcattle uh, commands to Kubernetes, for example. And this will basically show you kind of the developer view of things. Uh, and I'm gonna do also uh, Cloud Foundry CF commands to show you kind of developer, uh, developer integration from the Cloud Foundry side. Uh, and I'm gonna jump between that and uh, between showing you uh, kind of the NSX side of things. And the NSX side is basically the operator view. And the operator view is not what the developer is. Developer don't touch this. This is basically NSX uh, uh, console. Uh, this is, by the way, the latest 2.2 that, uh, that just came out three days ago. And I'm gonna uh, show you how things happen on NSX, but nothing that I'll do will happen from the NSX side. Everything will be done from the platforms themselves. And this is to show you the heterogeneity of the system. So um, going back into, I'm gonna start with uh, PKS or Kubernetes. Uh, if I do PKS clusters, you can see that I have a Kubernetes cluster that's already deployed that's called PKS1. Uh, PKS, if you don't know, that's a VMware and Pivotal and Google solution for an on-premises uh, fully managed uh, Kubernetes as a service. You run one command and you deploy a Kubernetes cluster that you can then assign to teams to use and it's fully managed by Bosch. So there's lots of values that we can talk about that again for two hours or more, uh, but I'm gonna focus my session on NSX. So I'm, I'm taking it off from here. Um, and what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get into my Kubernetes cluster by doing a command on, uh, uh, um, on PKS. So PKS get credentials, PKS one. So I'm basically connecting to my deployed Kubernetes cluster. Obviously I saved you the, the agony of waiting for a Kubernetes cluster to be deployed. It takes about 20 minutes. Um, so I'm connecting to the Kubernetes cluster. And uh, what I'm gonna do is, uh, I'm gonna start with deploying a namespace. Any of you that don't know what a namespace is, a namespace within Kubernetes is basically a logical tenant. Um, so it's a representation of a logical tenant. So I'm gonna deploy a namespace. And you can see when I do get namespaces, you can see that my Kubernetes cluster currently have four namespaces. So I'm gonna jump off now into NSX. So I don't wanna confuse you. I'm gonna show you what's happening on the, on the dashboard of NSX. Uh, if I look at the routers, um, and if, again, if you don't have background of NSXT, NSXT has two levels of distributed routers, uh, tier one and tier zeros. 
tier ones are tenant routers. And you can see that my tenant routers on my PKS Kubernetes cluster is four tier one routers that corresponds to the four tenants that got deployed. So I'm gonna deploy a new one. And that one is called Ujo. Um, that's just a internal code name actually uh, for a previous version of NSX. Um, and I created the namespace. So I just ran kubectl, create a, a namespace from, from Kubernetes. And if I go back to NSX as an operator, if I click on that, you can see that I have a new T1 router created. Clicking into it, <clears throat> you can see that every object in NSX has tags. And tags can be added in many different ways. Uh, they can be added automatically, like it happened right now. Basically, uh, all the information got pulled from uh, Kubernetes into the tags. Uh, it can be added using, um, you know, API calls and any tool that tags something or uh, an operator can tag stuff. And all these tags can be used for distributed firewall policies and other things. Uh, so in this case, um, what I'm showing you is basically this is my tenant and I see information about it. And one thing I can see about this tenant is that it has a, a speci specified SNAT IP address. And that's because my Kubernetes cluster is deployed in a NATed environment. And what it allows me to do is that everything that's coming out from my logical tenant on my Kubernetes cluster uh, is gonna go out into the physical network with this NAT IP address. That allows your physical network teams uh, basically to go on their firewalls or if you want to create access lists for who, which apps can go to my mainframes or which apps can go to my physical org or whatever, they can use this uh, SNAT IP address to uh, filter or to set up access list or to monitor um, the application traffic. And this is what I call relatability. This is very powerful. This is something that uh, it's not easy to achieve uh, and it provides that capability without the need to. So it, before that, what we had to do to do something like that is to create network segments, place the apps on that, and that way we could identify what comes from where. From where. This is everything is logical need to go and create segments, it basically allows me to do this identification on my own. Uh, if this wasn't a NATed environment, uh, we would get a subnet and we could use just the subnet to identify. So basically, uh, this provides that relatability. So going back to the developer world, uh, I created a tenant. The next thing I want to do is deploy an application. Uh, I already mentioned if this is an application that you wrote. Um, this application that's going to be deployed into my new tenant, uh, it's basically a web server, uh, a web front server that uh, has the ability to do port scans. So I can do, I can show uh, creation of network policies and how they affect my ability to port, to scan the network. Uh, so everything, as you know, uh, or you may not know, on Kubernetes is done through YAML files. So this is my YAML file for my application. It's a replication controller. Um, that deploys four pods. Uh, the application is called NSX Demo, um, and this is the image coming from uh, 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 Docker, um, and this is the container port. So I'm gonna run a command to um, deploy this app, and I'm gonna watch the, the containers getting created. <clears throat> and you can see the containers are already being deployed, uh, done, pretty fast, and you can see that each container got its own IP address. Again, one of the powerful things of NSX is the ability to troubleshoot or pinpoint and actually monitor what's going on. Having a, a separate IP to each container uh, or pod, to be, to be more accurate, uh, provides us the ability to the operator from NSX or from anywhere else to go and 
actually see what's what's happening on an underlying system. So we can actually see the, the pod's IP addresses here. Uh, and if I go back into NSX as an operator, and I'm looking at my switch here where my pods got deployed. So if I look at the switch here uh, called Ujo, that's my tenant uh, switch, and I look at the pods got, that got created here, and I click on any of these pods, Again, just like previously on the router, you can see that I have a lot of information in the tags, and this information came from the YAML file. So you can see which uh, which NCP cluster it's part of, uh, which part of uh, uh, which uh, 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 namespace it's part of, uh, and so on. And you can add annotations and labels within the YAML file, and all of them get will get in will go into the tag. And again, you can use those tags to create security policies. So allows me as an operator to see information about the pod, but that's not all. I can look at monitoring of the pod, and I can see exactly which traffic is created on the pod level, on the container. So if it's pod on Kubernetes or AI on PAS, which is a container, uh, but I can actually see uh, how much traffic is created from unicast, uh, multicast, broadcast, and so on. Again, for troubleshooting purposes, it's very powerful. Um, and that's not all. We can do. Um, we can do quality of service with traffic shaping. Uh, we can do uh, port mirroring. So let's assume you have a pod that is got vulnerable, and you have a system that basically tagged it as isolated, and you're gonna gonna go and you're gonna set up port mirroring, and you drop everything to a sniffer to go and see what exactly is going on on the pod. This is not a VM, right? This is a pod, and we can actually control all these things and monitor them uh, from NSXT. Uh, very powerful stuff. All right, going back to my demo, I got my application deployed. What I'm gonna do is, because this is Kubernetes, I will need to go and create something called a service. Uh, a service on Kubernetes basically is like an internal load balancer um, that allows a set of pods or microservices to com communicate with another set of pods uh, without the need to go uh, and communicate with each pod separately. It's like an internal load balancer, right? Uh, in the NSX, and I'll show you, I'm gonna, this is my YAML file for the service. And this one specifically is a service type service, right? It's, so it basically will create that internal load balancer. But you can create also an NSXT, like a service that is type load balancer. And if you do that, uh, not only it will create that service uh, internal load balancing, it will also create L4 load balancing to that service. So assume you're deploying, let's say, a Redis database, right? A multiple containers of Redis. And uh, you set it up as kind load balancer. Um, it will go and create on NSX automatically a VIP for a L4 VIP for that service that on the port for Redis that allows you also to manage those containers using Redis protocol. So NSX kind of a service whatever uh, you are deploying on Kubernetes uh, uh, to your to your liking. So I'm going to create this service here for my application. Uh, you can see this one is going to create specifically for that app. And if we look at the service, you can see that it got deployed. And if you look this more deeply, you can see that that service has all the pods information within it, uh, and it provides its cluster API and so on. It provides uh, uh, the capabilities we needed from it. And if I go now, I'm going to deploy an additional pod that's called pod management, uh, which will allow me to take over it. Um, it's already running here. And I'm going to hijack that. And I'm going to show you how service the service works. So basically, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go from one pod trying to access the other 
webfront pods uh, using that service. So I'm going to do wget. Um, so the um, NSX demo. And you can see that I communicate with it with my pod, which is on uh, the IP 10.4.11.5. And if I do again, it goes to another pod. So you can see that I'm doing internal advancing going from pod to pod. Uh, it should go to the next one. Uh, from pod to pod uh, using that service. And the last thing we need to do to allow access to our application, again, this is all Kubernetes stuff, the developers or the operators need to do that anyway, uh, is to create ingress spec. Uh, NSX, uh, in the previous version, deployed a, Kubernetes, a, a, a load balancer for each Kubernetes cluster you deployed or each Kubernetes cluster deployed on NSX, whether it's from PKS or, or not, but with PKS, the integration is a bit better. Um, and you can see that uh, load balancer here for my Kubernetes cluster. Uh, in the new version that just came out lately, you can actually combine Kubernetes clusters on the same load balancer if you want to. So you don't have to deploy multiple load balancers, uh, which makes things more flexible, and you can specify that in the YAML file, uh, basically, if you want to attach to an existing load balancer or not. But uh, here in this case, I deployed a, a, a load balancer automatically when I created the Kubernetes cluster. Uh, but if I go to server pools, you can see that I have server pools for PIS stuff, nothing here to allow me access to my app. So as a developer, uh, the developer needs to go here and create what's called an ingress spec. So if I look at my ingress YAML file, you can see that it says this is a kind ingress. Um, uh, it basically, this is the host name that's going to be accessible for this ingress. This is L7 load balancing, obviously, uh, but it won't deploy any new uh, NGINX. It basically will attach to NSX load balancer, uh, and this is the port it's going to mend, and this is the NSX, this is the service, service, sorry, <laughs> the service name is going to service, right? So I'm going to deploy that, and I'm going to see the ingress controller and I'm going to be able to ping my application. So if I go back to NSX again to the operator view, and I look on my server pools and I refresh this, you can see that the new server pool got created, where it is here. And you can see that already there's four members within the pool that are my pods. So it automatically populates with the service that, with the pods that are part of the service. So they're accessible. I'm going to go to my application here. I already have it in DNS, and this is my web front server. If I click through again, you can see that I'm attaching to different pods every time I go into. Now, here's the cool part, right? Or actually the bad part uh, is that if I go and do a port scan on the network, and I'm going to, this pod can do port scanning, if I do a port scan, you will be able to see that going east-west, I can see all the pods that are around me. So you can see the, the other pods and even the one that I had with the, with the, the hijack to show the service, uh, which has uh, SSH open. So I don't know if you guys are aware, containers are highly unsecure. Uh, it's easy to hijack. So if I can go east-west and port scan, I can definitely go in and uh, if, I take, <clears throat> if I take control of one pod, I can get into the others. <clears throat> so what do we do? Does a developer needs to go and ask the network team to go and create security policies? No. Again, just like we did before, the developer 
did not need to go and ask for load balancing and did not need to go and ask for services uh, uh, access to his application. Um, it does just need to have a, a security policy baked into the YAML files, uh, or uh, if you do it from an operator view, you can do it on, um, you can do it in the pipelines. If you deploy it to the pipelines, you can inject security policies in pipeline. Doesn't matter how you, how you do that. Um, what I'm gonna do now is I, I'm gonna have two YAML files. Uh, the first one creates a policy that set up default deny, and this one specifically does it on my namespace, uh, which basically says block everything. So nothing can access nothing, right? So I'm gonna do that right now. And uh, jump too, too fast. But if I look back on my application, you can see that if I try to go and access my app right now, uh, it's not, it's gonna it's gonna hang. I can't access anything. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna allow access to my load balancer from north south uh, to be able to access my app. And all the YAML files that I showed you during this during this session, uh, all the YAML files uh, can be combined to, to to few YAML files or even one, right? If you want to, uh, as the as the manifest. But this is just to show you all the different integrations. So now I got access back to my app. Again, I can see all the containers. But now if I go in and do port scan around my network, um, I won't be able to see anything. And this is based, this is because of the distributed firewall capabilities. Um, if you know NSXV, uh, very similar on NSXT, we got distributed firewall. So if I go now here to the firewall, um, you will see that there's a new rule that's got created. Um, and this rule basically allow access to my uh, application containers. Uh, you can see that this has a nice icon, icon here, which is basically a security group, uh, and these are the members, right? Security groups is basically dynamic uh, groups that allow me to uh, create policies around. Uh, again, I can use tags for it. In this case, basically, uh, Kubernetes just went uh, through an, an API call and created that, and the security group got created using uh, through the CNI. It's, it's a bit, I'm not gonna go into kind of the mechanism right now, just wanna show you how it works. Uh, but basically, um, when I ran the, the security policy, NSXT accommodated that using security, security groups. Uh, so now I can access my apps, but nothing can communicate uh, around it. So if you look here, I got my section that corresponds to the namespace, and you can see the rule here is basically any any drop. So, Anything on this namespace is dropped besides access to my app from the load balancer. So what did you see here? You saw me doing everything as a developer to have my application running with security policies, uh, with load balancing, with a service, uh, without the need to go and ask the, the operators or the NSX, the NSX operators, whoever, uh, to allow me access to my app or to create those things. It all happened uh, seamlessly as developer needs it. And I'm gonna go into kind of the heterogeneity part of it. Because what I wanna show you now is the same integration on the same NSXT, but using PCF. And this will also apply to other platforms that can work on NSX. So um, if I do CF commands, uh, and you can see I, I will communicate with my Cloud Foundry environment, same NSX, uh, same place. And I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna create an organization uh, on uh, on PCF, organization is very similar to uh, namespaces in Kubernetes. It's a logical tenant, so I'm going to create an org. Let's call it uh, V Brown Bag. 
just for our sake. Um, I'm going to target that. And I'm going to create something called the space. Uh, reason is in, in Cloud Foundry, um, there's multiple levels of tenancy. So in this case, I'm going to create a space uh, called vBrownBag. And I'm going to target that as well. Again, this is a logical tenant, just like a namespace. So, uh, all right. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into an uh, app I have. And this app uh, is basically built out of two layers, two tiers, uh, a front end and a back end, again, to demonstrate the ability to create security policies on NSX and, and how we manage those. So I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to go into my app code. Uh, again, this is called Cloud if you remember my, the first, when I started, I explained kind of the difference between the level of abstractions. Cloud Foundry does a lot of the things that you saw me do on Kubernetes. I don't need to create an ingress controller or service. Uh, it all happens to me automatically because the system kind of creates all these things uh, beforehand, some of them, and, and, and some of them are created automatically, like creating the pods or the AIs. Uh, in our case, uh, I'm going to just go into my code. <coughs> Sorry. Um, uh, that was source example apps uh, cats and front end. So I'm going to deploy the first app. Uh, the only thing I need to do is just a, one command called cf push. It identifies what it does. Uh, sorry, cf push. I call it v brown bag front end. And what it does now, it will go and upload the code and will. Uh, what what PCF or Cloud Foundry actually does, it, it stages, the, it creates a container, it stages it, it tests it, and then it deploys it to, to Cloud Foundry, uh, and then it keeps the layer somewhere in the blob store so that if you ever need to change uh, some layers in the container, like let's say you want to change the runtime for Java, um, you get just provide that to Cloud Foundry and it will go and grab all the layers of all your containers from the blob store and will recreate all your containers in a seamless manner. This is what PaaS does in, oppo in opposite to a CAS, which is Kubernetes. Uh, and it's a use case, kind of different use cases for different customers. But my application got deployed, and I already have a URL to access. I don't need to create anything. So I'm going to access this URL here. I'm going to go here. I'm going to access this URL. And my application is up and running. This is the front end. I'm going to deploy a back end now. So I'm going to go into the back end. I'm going to do CF push, um, the brown bag uh, back end. While it's deployed, let me show you some things what happened on NSX. So going into NSX here, um, and I'm going to the routing. You remember when I created a namespace on Kubernetes and it created a router for me? The same goes for Cloud Foundry. Uh, you can see that on Cloud Foundry, I got the PCF v brown bag router here. And if I go into that and I look at the tags here, you can see that I have everything I want to know about it. Uh, and of course, the SNAT IP address that I will know how to identify traffic coming from a specific uh, logical tenant going out to the physical network. Um, and if anyone knows Cloud Foundry, uh, previously, what you had to do to achieve this is something called isolation segments. I'm not a big fan of isolation segments. This kind of eliminates the need to use them because now we can 
we can actually isolate traffic from applications on a logical level rather than segment level. So this happened. Uh, if I go to switching, I also have a new switch deployed for my new tenant. So if I uh, refresh this, I'm going to switches actually uh, and refresh this. You can see I have a switch here. And if I look on the switch, you can see the con my containers. If I click on any of these containers, you can see this is my application. Uh, I can see all the information coming from the application manifest. So uh, what org it is and so on, all of this comes with tags. These tags are usable for me, again, for access lists, for security policies, for monitoring and so on. And I can do everything I did on a Kubernetes pod, I can do on a Cloud Foundry uh, AI or, uh, or container, like monitor, quality of service and so on. All those capabilities apply for, for both, uh, and also for virtual machines and, and coming down the line, bare metal, right? Uh, all that will be available for stuff. So going back to my application, uh, this is my app here. This is my uh, backend app. I'm going to access my backend app here. So I got my front end, I got my backend. Uh, these are, consider those as not as two separate apps. Consider them as two uh, microservices that are part of a single application. Um, they may look as two applications, but they need to communicate with each other. You can see, again, each container has its own IP address, and this one specifically tells me uh, I'm using this IP address uh, on these ports. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and access from the front end to the back end on this port. Now, if I go here and I do that on port 7007, for example, from the ports it showed me, uh, it won't be able to. Uh, the integration we did with Cloud Foundry is slightly different from, from an operational perspective. You see the dog says, I, can't, I don't know what to do. I can't access the back end. Uh, what we did is when you deploy an, uh, an organization on NSXT from Cloud Foundry, uh, it automatically uh, it allows access north-south. It automatically blocks all east-west. So you can see that if I look on my tenant here, uh, oh, I need to refresh this. Uh, if you look at my tenant, you'll see that it has already automatically a rule for my tenant uh, for vBrownback. And these rules say uh, allow access to my application from outside, but drop everything else, and that's why uh, I get the dog. So what does, a, again, a developer needs to do um, to be able to allow access to the, between these uh, microservices? Uh, it doesn't need to go to the security team, as you can imagine. Uh, I just need to run one command, or obviously the developers don't run these commands, they just deploy pipelines, they deploy the code, and the pipeline runs and runs its command. So the command would be run. Uh, that's going to be uh, CF add network policy. Uh, uh, it's going to be the application name. Developers don't know IPs or stuff like that. They need the application name. So it was vbrownbag frontend. Needs to access a destination app called uh, vbrownbag backend. And on a protocol of protocol TCP and port 700. Near and careful with destination, you're missing a T. Oh, thank you very much, my friend. There you go. Hit enter. It goes through this policy. It basically created it. I go back to my app here. I go my, back to my front end. I do uh, back and forth and ask again, and I get a cat. You like that, Ariel? Cats? A cat. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, I can now basically show that my front-end microservices can access my back-end microservices. And if I look at NSX here on the firewall, um, I'm going to refresh this page, you'll see that the new rule just got, got created. And the new rule basically says, allow this, this uh, security policy where the, my, my, uh, my containers are uh, to these containers from the back end uh, on, on this port 7007. And if I go into the, con into the group, you'll see that it has uh, one container right now. If I scale up those applications, the groups automatically inherit, the, the, it, it, in, the groups automatically gets populated with the new containers and obviously uh, they inherit the security policy. So what you saw here is a very similar experience, a seamless experience for the developer, whether it was PIS or Kubernetes, uh, where they didn't need to go to the security or network team to create anything. Uh, everything was done for them on the application level, while the operational, the operations team that manages NSX, whether the DevOps team or the security team or whatever, uh, they have all the control of the system, of what's going on, and they can see everything that's going on. Uh, I didn't drill down uh, even a slight bit into the operational tools here, so I'm gonna do kind of show you cool stuff that's going on here, uh, but just just a bit because we are uh, short on time. Uh, NSX has really nice operational tools. One of them that I really like is called Traceflow. And Traceflow allows you, basically you specify, hey, something doesn't work. I wanna check to see why one container cannot talk with another container or specific port or one container cannot speak with that uh, virtual machine on the, on a different port. Uh, it will basically inject a, in a, a packet and will uh, sim packet and will, sh and will show you the result of why it failed. So if I do, for example, uh, the free brown bag um, front end <clears throat> wants to access the brown bag uh, back end, where is it? VB bag back end here. And let's say I want to test uh, on uh, my uh, on TCP and I want to check uh, what's going on, why it doesn't work on, let's say, 7008, uh, and I trace it. Uh, it will show me all, all the steps a packet went through or where it failed. It can also show your physical stuff if it's integrated. My lab doesn't have it. I'm running a nested environment here. Uh, but basically, it shows me that it was dropped, and it shows exactly uh, which firewall it got dropped on, which is 2124, so if I go to the firewall, and I'm looking for uh, uh, rule 2124, uh, you'll see that it's right here, 2124, which is any, any drop on PCF. If I go back to uh, the tool, and let's do uh, edit and just change the port to 7007, um, and trace, uh, you'll see that it will be able to, and will show me exactly which the packet, what path it took, and exactly which step it, it went through. So it gives me a, a map. <clears throat> of the path that the packet took from one side to the other and firewalls that it went through. Um, this is just one tool. If you, com if you combine NSXT with vRealize login site, um, it's so powerful, you can see all the information that's going on here and you can actually uh, create a really nice mapping of ports. So you can basically deploy an application on NSXT, containerized or not, and you can actually uh, uh, drop everything to vRealize login site and it will tell you exactly which which communications are being created 
between those uh, so that you can create your security policy without hurting yourself because uh, as you probably know, um, we don't know usually what the ports that our application require, uh, even if we developed it. I'm gonna pause here. Oh, before I pause, I'm gonna finish my first demo, which was the pipeline. And if you look at the pipeline here, oh, it failed on me. Um, all right. It, it wouldn't be be brown bag if everything went perfect. <laughs> well, now you know I'm not bullshitting you. Uh, it's live environment, and basically I put something wrong in my parameter file, so uh, it it failed to find my vCenter, uh, my vCenter. But if it would go through, uh, it's embarrassing. But uh, it would go and configure everything. What it did do uh, is deploy everything here from an NSX perspective. So if I go to NSX. Uh, it didn't deploy the logical stuff, but it did deploy all the physical integration. So if I go to NSX here, you'll see that. And I, you know, I can fix this pipeline pretty easy, but we don't have enough time. Um, <clears throat> but you'll see that I will get now the end user license agreement, which basically shows that I did not touch the GUI even once, and everything was done with the API. Uh, so if I go here. Uh, you will be able to see that uh, NSX deployed uh, a bunch of stuff, the controllers, the edges, and, and connecting them together. It just didn't deploy all the routers um, that was supposed to create. Uh, so those weren't created, but just one of them. All right, I'm going to pause cool. here, and uh, I'm going to open this up for questions. Any questions on the chat or Twitter? I mean, most people have been like, "This is so freaking awesome." No, no real questions, just comments. <laughs> yeah, it's the a lot of the comments we're getting are just how amazing it is and how how great the the demos were flowing and. Well, until one failed, right? <laughs> well, well, I was going to be concerned just, if it didn't fail. So exactly, more credibility. Yeah. <laughs> So Nirit, is there a way to do something where you can react automatically to a failure? What what kind of failure are you referring to? Um, say some of the containers fail. Say something happens to some of the services you're running. Uh, obviously, everything's been running behind a, a load balancer, but can you react and recreate, or? Oh, and, so yeah. Are you asking about Kubernetes or about Pivotal Cloud Foundry? Each one takes care of it differently. Though, when we talk about PKS, which is a, a VMware Pivotal's uh, Kubernetes distribution, um, that one actually comes really close because of the Bosch, and now it's going to support multi-Zin stuff like that. It becomes more closer to uh, PCF. Uh, but basically, in those cases, what you do is deploys, it deploys workers in different racks, uh, and if one rack fails, the applications continue to run in another one. And if you deploy a multi-site, you put, usually put a global load balancer in front of them, and you push traffic to the site that's uh, that's that you know that's alive. Okay, and and how are you monitoring all this along the to make sure that these things is that just the workers that are handling it all, you know in the background the whole time or? Yeah, so uh, with with PKS uh, Bosch, uh, Bosch is a really powerful uh, engine. Uh, which basically, sometimes people compare Bosch into a configuration manager like Chef or Ansible or Puppet. Uh, well, Bosch is quite different. Uh, 
Bosch does not look to to fix uh, um, a desired state or a drift from desired state. Bosch basically kills a machine that went into undesired state, or if it's not responding, or if it's dead, and recreates it if it's if it's not there. Uh, it also monitors for the health of the virtual machines, uh, and and, and virtual machines obviously run the, the pods. So if you have any problem, Bosch will go and kill it and will redeploy it. So uh, Bosch uh, provides a lot of that capability for our services, which is PIS and PKS. If you're talking only, you know, straight up Kubernetes, uh, when I deployed, you remember the application, I deployed something called our application controller. Um, that one basically monitors to see if the pods are alive. If one of them is not, we'll redeploy another one. But that's on the pod level. It's not on the infrastructure side. Okay, thanks. Um, that's all for me. All right, I know I, I put a lot of information in this session, so um, if anyone has any more questions after or you see this on YouTube or whatever, uh, you feel free to contact me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter um, handle is Neuronacy. I would love to uh, you know, assist or, or direct you to the right uh, information. That's great. Thanks for uh, for putting that out there. I'll make sure that that information is in the show notes, and um, and I'll try to get some of those goes in there too. And I'll get it up at ASAP. If we've got a lot of people wanting to unpack um, and be able to go back and watch this again. So, great job. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for the opportunity and uh, and uh, to show you know what we do here at VMware. This is amazing. I, I never would have even been able to dream all this was going on. You know, it's just so much different things happening coming out of the, the company. This is great. You know, I'll tell you, you know, and I've been I've been doing VMware since 2000, right? So I've been working and, and selling and implementing vSphere in 2007, 2005, and 2008. And what I get when I show this stuff to, you know, DevOps guys, you know, or... Uh, security teams, you know, the folks that are not usually where, you know, VMware's go-to market, I show this to them and I get the same faces I used to get on vSphere, which is, wow, and if you can deliver 10% of what you're showing me here, you know, I'm buying this, right? Uh, so, uh, and we de deliver 100%. It's so much feels like vSphere in the old days that it's it's so much fun. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, with that, I guess we'll end tonight's show. So thank you very much. And uh, if you have any questions, contact us. Or use hashtag free brown bag, and we'll we'll do follow up later. Thanks.